this very special episode of the Bonfire Banter Podcast. I am Megan, but I also go by as Bonfire Cherry Online, a lino cutting business. And join me, I don't know why I'm doing this with hands, I don't know why I'm saying this over audio because you won't be able to see it. But and joining me is my bearded and informative co-host. I'm Dean from Digiweb Consultancy. And joining us on this very special episode is the wonderful... Heather Corby. We're going to talk about narcolepsy, aren't we? Narcolepsy, yes. Talk about that and the creative side of it as well. Because us two don't know a lot about narcolepsy and... This should go live round World Narcolepsy Day. So I thought we we asked someone who who deals with suffers with it to go into it. It's a good idea. Yeah. I'm a person that lives with narcolepsy. So what do you want to know? I think what myself and uh, most people have in mind about narcolepsy is basically the Stephalot. And that's probably about the extent of what people know about it, basically. Okay. Um, people do sleep a lot. So we sleep a lot because we have narcolepsy. Narcolepsy is triggered. So you don't get born with it. It needs to be triggered. I had chickenpox, which triggered it. And a lot of people get glandular fever and it triggers it. And um, then the white blood cells go in to kill off the problem and instead they kill off a little bit of your brain cells and that means the on-off switch for sleep is broken. So we do sleep at night but we fall asleep and dream really fast instead of getting the deep regenerative sleep that you guys would get for four to six hours and that way we get lots of dreams, lots of nightmares so we don't actually get good sleep. So when you see us in the daytime falling asleep it's because we haven't slept at night. Huh, I never knew that. So does that make sense? It does. Um, what have you dreamt about recently? Oh, we dream big dreams. So recently I've had big dreams about flying. Your flying dreams are very real. So you're going to be lifting up, flying away, and you, you literally are flying away from the earth, flying into the atmosphere, up and above. You can take yourself anywhere, really. Flying without wings. I'm flying without wings. Whoever sent that song, bad and better. <laughs> that's, that's a nice. That's a nice one. But you do get the bad side. You get um, sleep deprivation will give you nightmares, and then imagine that you wake up and the nightmare's still there. So you haven't got rid of it because you're you're fuzzy on whether you're awake or asleep. So you are going to walk around the dragon on the pavement. You are going to sort of wonder what, why the sky is a funny shade of whatever colour it is. But then they, they eventually diagnosed me and gave me medication. So I'm sort of here in your world instead. So what's a common misconception about narcolepsy? The biggest misconception is that you're asleep by daytime. So you've got your head on the desk people look at you and say well she's definitely asleep but I can hear what you're saying because I'm only asleep in that my body has failed the brain is still awake 
I got through school like this. I've listened to the teacher. I haven't written it down. So yes, I'm a straight D student, but I can hear what you're saying. It sounds like a superpower, but now it's just super. I'd love to be able to do. Well, you you can't actually fall asleep to order, unfortunately. So there are times when people say, will you fall asleep to order? And you say, no, it's impossible. I think there's a lot of superpowers involved. Sleeping on command isn't one of them. Autopilot's definitely a, a superpower. If you have a mundane task and you want to do it again and again and again, it's done. Ta-da. And yeah, going somewhere in a car only takes 15 minutes because you don't drive and you're asleep as a passenger. So it doesn't matter whether it's a short journey or a really long one. It takes the same amount of time. Yeah. What else? <laughs> so is there... What else? Oh, well, superpowers are fantastic. So you have the power to dream, the power to fly, the power to go anywhere, see anything from above, look down. But um, there's also really bad demons out there. So you have to protect yourself. Um, We have sleep paralysis. So when you wake up, your body is stuck and there's things there holding you down. That you, Some people see things. Some people can only hear things. They can hear people walking around the room, but you can't move. Sleep paralysis is a bit of a nightmare. It's okay. it, The body's stuck there, and it only takes 30 seconds, really, um, for the brain to catch up with the body. But in that time, you panic. So. I see. Do you find you're able to kind of work a little bit while you're asleep, since, uh, in terms of creativeness, anyway? Um, I No, if you're asleep, you're asleep. Yeah. I think that's why I'm a straight D student. So uh, the things that I did well at were things that you can do as modules, not the not the exam at the end of the term. Oh right. So, but you can get, but because you remember everything when you wake up from the dream, you can then use it afterwards. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, mm. um, I'm not. I can't think of anything else to ask really about narcolepsy. There's a there's a lot of. Um, a lot of supernatural things are related to narcolepsy. So your H.P. Oh, Lovecraft, um, he, he wrote lots of stories throughout his life about different things. And some of them are very, very good descriptions of how narcolepsy works. So he's got one where he is walking down an alleyway and he walks down the alleyway, turns around the corner and walks straight into a dreamscape. And that's kind of something that we do. With the sleep deprivation, you can just walk out of reality and into a dreamscape. Oh, wow. That sounds trippy. (laughs) Ah, see, the trippy word. Yes, it is. I don't need the medication to be trippy. And I've had friends that have um, joined me after two pints and gone, I'm at your level. Let's discuss ghost stories. Let's discuss UFOs. And they've had two pints and they've suddenly reached my level. I see. (laughs) So no alcohol necessary then? No. There's a badge, though, that says... I'm not drunk, I have narcolepsy. <laughs> right. It's very useful. I like one. it. So when you're asleep in the pub, not, it's not that you've drunk. Yeah, I can see that coming in useful. There's, um, we have a narcolepsy entrepreneur group on, online and a narcolepsy art group. And both of those, the creativity is massive. So you've got people that have run their own businesses because they've taken what they can do in a limited amount of time. And because you can now sell everything online, they can they can actually make a business out of it, which has been brilliant. Oh wow! So we see everything. Okay, so another source of funding for those bits. Okay, so I definitely have to check Sorry? that out. Yeah, so it's another source of uh, funding yeah. for the charity stuff, and um, yeah, so I could definitely yeah. recommend checking You're still out. Looking, definitely, yeah. You're looking for one person in two thousand. So the although it's no longer a rare disease, the actual 
charity is tiny because it's not as well known as something big. Um, it's not even taking a million pounds a year. It's it's a tiny, tiny charity. So the support that we get from Narcolepsy UK is fantastic, but it's tiny charity compared with the big things that everybody knows about. Things like uh, Cancer Research or British Heart Foundation or whatever, then it's significantly uh, different, isn't it? Definitely. They're, with this charity, they say, oh my goodness, somebody's raised a £1,000. And whereas the big guys would add another zero on it and go, wow, that's a big one. I see. They're very good at um, helping people um, get their disability awards and they have a helpline for um, doing that. But there's a lot of things like getting a diagnosis. You are going to jump jump through hoops. You're going to have to do it yourself. You can't actually get a charity to help you get a diagnosis in the first place, which would then help you get the medication that changes everything. So the charity can't help with that, but it can pull together. And by meeting other people who, who have similar things, you can get along together, meet each other and help each other. Diagnosis time's coming down, but it's still something like eight years is about about the average. So you're getting misdiagnosed. So misdiagnosis include things like having a stroke because having cataplexy means that you wobble and you fall over and you don't come around um, for like a couple of minutes and people think, well, you've actually had a stroke when you haven't because you slur your words. And then you've got all the other things. So with the hallucinations and things like that, you can be misdiagnosed as having um, like a split personality or a behavior issue or something insane. So you, you, you've got misdiagnosis and you've got the just not knowing about it. So the more people we tell, the more, the more the doctors will know about it, the more the general public will know about it. So then it can get into the mainstream really you do find that um, we get different people have come for through different areas they've been diagnosed by different things so misdiagnosis can be turned around into having a diagnosis but not all the time as it's kicking in as you're a teenager or a an older child or a teenager it's going to affect the schooling and then it's going to affect your education right the way through to your work and beyond and family life so the Narcolepsy UK did a charter and they did a, they sent out a questionnaire for people with narcolepsy. People answered it and it gave you a, a whole review on how it has affected these people. And that's available on Narcolepsy UK. You can send the charter to say, we recognise that these people want a better quality of life. They want, they want to be helped with um, school work. Awareness of the actual disease is actually key to a diagnosis you're in the right place the doctors actually have access to scan your brain work out how badly injured it is and then give you the correct medication in the future we'll have stem cell technology and that will be fantastic but that's in the future i think there's a lot of lot of different areas that will be worth watching in the future you're a very creative person yes i am a very creative person yes because does that think um narcolepsy helps get your creative juices out there if that's the correct way of saying it um if you're dreaming big things and you've got scary monsters you might as well get them out in the open draw them get them actually down on paper um and if you're if you're having problems staying awake creative things um when 
when I first got narcolepsy at eight years old, my mum kept all my artwork because I couldn't stay awake for very long at all. And I was drawing fantastic drawings of um, wildlife and snails in the garden and all sorts of things. And she kept every piece of artwork because she thought, well, she's not going to wake up. So this is as good as it's going to get. And through the narcolepsy group, you find there's artists that can do things. And um, we like science fiction a lot. We like, we like monsters. We like demons. We like all sorts of things. But it doesn't matter whether it's clay, whether it's painting, whatever it is, a narcolepsy person will take it and they will put their own twist on it. It's, it's um, interesting. It's like um, people with um, autism or anything like that. Um, if you, um, I'm trying to think the right way of explaining it. If you suffer from something that... I think if you're more on the autistic spectrum, you probably have more of an advantage when it comes to kind of logical stuff and that side of thinking. But I suppose... Narcolepsy is another side, opposite end of the spectrum, where you've got more of a creative advantage, if that makes sense. It's like if you're missing out on something, whatever it may be, you can, you always have the, um, sometimes, obviously not everybody, has a lot, wants to express it in some way, and sometimes that falls into the craft side of things. Yeah. It's, it's having a picture brain and not a number brain. Yes. Yeah. I'm that terrible person at Tesco's that used to, um, they say, go, go and um, fill up the beer, beer counter. Um, tuts, you go, go up to the thing, you, instead of writing, I need X amount of cans in, on this shelf and how many on this shelf and going out the back to restock the fridge, I've, I've drawn the fridge, I've drawn the lines on it and I've gone four packs of red, two packs of blue, three packs of green and they go, give your, give your piece of paper to somebody else and go on your break. That person can't read it. They're like, what have you done? Why haven't you written down? I haven't written it because that's too much effort. I've drawn it. It's how we deal things in different ways. Definitely. Speaking of colours, Factual Fanny has got some random facts about colours at the end. That's something to look forward to. That's good. You you haven't heard of Factual Fanny, have you? I haven't, no. I'm kind of intrigued as to what what you'd have as a fact on colours. Yeah, I can think of a few. Go on. <laughs> oh, let me get factual, Fanny. Fanny, I need you. Hello, darling. This is factual Fanny here, and I'm going to give you some random facts about the colour pink. Ha- hello, Heather, by the way. Hello, factual I like to give. I like to give some random facts. Occasionally, if sometimes I sometimes get along with Megan, other times I don't. So what fact have you got for us today? The colour pink is uh, symbolises joy and happiness. I'd agree with that. Yeah, that's a good fact. The colour is, su- is sometimes considered to be the most delicate colour. I'm not sure about that. I think yellow can be delicate as well. The, na- the name pink was given to the colour in the late 17th century. I thought it had been around a lot longer than that. Probably has, but it wasn't given the name pink until the 17th century. And I give one more fact about the colour pink. The colour was also used on prison walls to um, to order to reduce the erratic behaviour of inmates. I wonder if it works. One way to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to hear one more fact? (laughs) Yes, give us one more fact. Go on. 
The people in China were not aware of this colour until they had interaction with the Western culture. Really? That's rather interesting. And on that note, I'm going to go back to my office where I save all my random facts. So the next time you need me, Beckon knows where to find me. Thank you very much for having me on to give me these, uh, to provide these random facts. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you, uh, Actual Funny, for that. Thank you very much. One of these days you'll both get your own microphone instead of having to share. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so where can people find more information about narcolepsy? So not, World Narcolepsy Day is on Tuesday. And there's two big websites that you can have a look at. The first is Narcolepsy UK. So that's the main website for the UK. And it's full of interesting information about everything. And the other one is the American site called Project Sleep. And they are, again, they're they're doing the same thing. And you'll find more information on that as well. It sounds like a comic book or a sci-fi show, um, Teams, uh, um, something sleep. It sounds like... Um, 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 sci-fi characters have to de- dive into the world of sleep to save themselves from something. We we do like we do like all these things where you you involve superhero things and you say, "What's your superpower? I can autopilot. So I can do the same repetitive task without thinking about it." There's so many superhero powers with falling asleep. <laughs> you have the you can. Well, Bungle, my husband, says you can travel anywhere in the country and it'll take you 15 minutes because I don't drive, but he drives and I'll be asleep and then I'll wake up and we'll be there. Our guest does run a business, but we will elaborate that in a future episode. That will be episode 54. That should go live the either the week beginning the 7th or the 14th of January, so... Look forward to um, listening listening to that. This has been Megan, aka Bonfire Cherry. Joining me has been my shiny four-headed friend and co-host. I continue to be Dean from Teacher of Consultancy. And joining us on this very special episode has been the amazing and the wonderful Heather Corby. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for have, um, for allowing us to have you. Um, thank you very much. I'll say this right. Thank you very much for allow, <laughs> allowing you to um, for having us on having you. Thank you on very much for being on the show. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I should, uh, the way I explain it, like we're we're the guests. <laughs> That's okay. That's because we've I'm known not... each other so long. It's like you, you automatically go thank you. Why am I saying I thank know. you? <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.